Hi, everybody. I'm Michael Banks, host of Leadership Luminaries, a PeopleSmart production. PeopleSmart provides innovative learning solutions, both virtual and in-person, to organizations in many countries, cultures, and languages, focusing on leadership and people development in the context of digital transformation, change management, culture change, and the increasing need for emotional intelligence. So my guest today is Fabienne Lindom. Is it Lindom or Lindom? Well, in in United States they said Lindholm, but um, I'm not sure in Sweden what they would say. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll 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 just so I don't get into uh, a tangle each time I say it. We'll say Lindom. Exactly. Uh, that sounds that's perfect. Great. Um, so Fabienne is a global learning and development executive with years of experience coaching and motivating individuals and teams. She is a speaker, facilitator, and soon-to-be author. And she currently holds two positions. One as the Global Education Director for Babor Beauty Group, and one as a woman's self-confidence advocate. With her company, uh, Fabian uh, Lindholm revs up your life. She ignites and fuels passion for positive change and transformation and fosters leadership in women in particular, which is great. Um, so today we'll be talking about leadership that builds trust, real trust in a hybrid environment. And in particular, we'll be exploring the importance of finding purpose and adding the human factor to professional life. Just a little bit more on Fabienne, so you realize that she's more than just a professional doing her job. Uh, so she's traveled to 60 countries, lectured on four continents. She's bold, optimistic, compassionate, and funny. She's a marathon runner and has learned discipline, resilience, and determination while training and finishing five marathons. Pretty impressive. Fabienne has 30 plus years in executive management in the beauty and wellness industry. She managed spa teams and operations for luxury hotels, such as the Waldorf Astoria, and multi-location spas in Chicago, USA. Yeah. In the past 10 years, she's been in the L&D and uh, the training L&D space and the training of adults, primarily women. She's fluent in English and French, and she lives in the Netherlands. So without further ado, um, welcome, Fabienne. Well, thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Oh, you're welcome. Did I cover everything? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, um, many, many years of many, many things. <laughs> so, yeah. But I think these are the the most, you know, um, important, the most um, focused uh, regarding who I am and what I've done. Great. Well, it's, um, you know, what we will benefit from in this uh, conversation is the fact that you've had, you've had so many years experience and therefore you'll be able to speak uh, from, from the real uh, experience, a frontline experience, if you like, so, um, and not yeah. just basically. Exactly. I think, you know, for uh, the experience for me, it's, uh, I always said I'm kind of a self-made person, you know, started from just being, and I also just, but it's not even just, it's being uh, a service provider 
to um, an, an executive. And um, that was also done about purpose and passion. So we're going to talk a little bit about that in the next following few uh, minutes. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I know that um, as a way into this conversation, um, you say that, um, you know, uh, it's, it's, you're aware that for a lot of people, um, they, you know, it's just a job. What they do for work and for money is just a job. Um, and I think what you're suggesting is that it's more than just a job, or ideally it should be. Because, and again, in light of um, the challenge that businesses have globally today about attracting and retaining people, um, you want people who are uh, know that they can get fulfillment in the company they're with. And if they're just there just to take a pay uh, package at the end of the week or month, then there's not much juice in it. There's not much life in in the work, not much meaning. So um, what, what do you say to the idea that, uh, you know, for, for a lot of people, it's, it's, it's just a job? Yeah, and it's unfortunate because, you know, for many, many years, um, we, I, I used to hear that a lot, you know, like 20 years ago. And then it kind of went away and I felt like people were discovering their purpose, that, they were more fulfilled at work. They were uh, more, you know, focused on what they wanted. They can maybe were working on that balance of, you know, passion and profession. And then, and then um, I've noticed that in the last, I think after, after COVID, this is where we started hearing it again, where people were feeling like, oh my God, it's just a job, but I need to find something else to fulfill my passion, or I need to find something that's going to be purposeful. And I really believe that, you know, in the professional environment, we can find purpose. And it needs to be connected with what we love as an individual, as our passion, and we can put it together and, and, and make it more sustainable in terms of professional and uh, uh, personal growth. So I think it's definitely possible to do that. And I also think that in terms of professional growth, someone that's just looking at a job, just being a job, will never be able to grow or be able to uh, move forward into something that, you know, could be more interesting to them. So because they're blocking themselves out of that opportunity of that possibility of looking at what's there. And sometimes, you know, organizations are doing different things. They're opening, developing um, growing, uh, providing training, and so on. But I think it also is based on the individual to speak up and to say what is important to them and, and how they want to go about. Sometimes we can't just wait for the organization to do it all for, for them, you know, for us. So I think it's a mindset. So it comes down to a mindset it's changing your mindset and it's discovering the passion and then finding a way to connect it together in in a well-balanced, I'd say, package because, you know, it's about finding balance too. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's great. I, I'm going to argue devil's advocate slightly here. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying. I mean, that's the ideal. Um, I think some people are very fortunate. They, they're actually, the, the, the work they're doing is what they're passionate about and what their purpose is. Uh, for, pretty much from the get-go. I mean, in my case, I'll just use me as an example. Um, I've, I always say that, you know, I've never really had a job. I've only done what I love doing. Um, and, you know, that's it's. I'm completely in alignment with my purpose. Um, but what about, this is the thing that really in, interests me, because what you're suggesting is, and, and I agree with you, it's also up to the employee to put their hand up and say, hey, um, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, it's not working for me. How can, how can I stay in the company and find more meaning to the work I do? Um, in practical terms, can you give me an example of um, how can you, again, isn't it a bit idealistic? Because a lot of people are just doing jobs because they don't know what else to do or, you know, they've got a mortgage to pay. Yeah. Um, so so whilst what you're saying is absolutely fabulous and it's ideal how how do you how do you actually help someone to to expand uh, isn't it a bit risky for them well, of course there's always risk but i think it's a step process you know i don't think it can happen really quickly so for me I believe that the first thing to do as an individual is when you start feeling that this is just a job or it's always been just a job, it's stepping back and doing some reflections and finding out on your own what are the things that you like. So it's really regrouping. And and then it actually, when we said earlier, I'm going to be an author soon, I'm writing a book, you know, with a, it's called The Transformation Cycle. And it's about regrouping and regrouping is a process that the individual has to do in figuring out what is their passion? Because as you said, maybe they don't know, maybe they're not sure, they're scared. I mean, there's so much fear out there. And one of the fears is definitely not being able to have a paycheck to pay the mortgage. Yeah. So this is, it's, a, it's not a process that's going to happen in two days. Okay, It's a process that happens as it moves forward. So the first thing is regrouping. It's being able to define what are my passion, what makes me so happy, how does it make me feel? And sometimes we have to go back. You know, I just actually read a study that was done by a group of professors at University of Liège um, in 2009. So it's not a new study. It's a study that's been around for a long time. That's called tra uh, the traveling back make you happy. And finding, finding out in your past what are the happy moments and the things that makes you absolutely in harmony with yourself and you feel like it is a purpose. So once you define that, then you can see how they match with the company philosophy, what you want to do. And then after that is, you know, really studying conversation with people around and asking questions and, you know, being curious and kind of going out there and maybe not being afraid of being a little vulnerable, you know, um, and all of this takes time. Of course, it's idealistic. I agree with you. Uh, and it's something that doesn't happen in two months. It happens as 
you know, things progress in someone's life. So it's about patience and really finding out their uh, their patients. And I have a really typical example being in the beauty industry and the wellness industry for so many years. Years back when I lived in Chicago and I was actually a spa director, uh, I have met, had met so many women that had done a career in marketing or a career in accounting or a career in kind of what I call the theoretical concepts of organization. And all of a sudden, they went to beauty school or massage school, and they wanted to learn a new skill, and they wanted to be an esthetician or a massage therapist. And it was really incredible to see the journey of these women or men, because it also happened with men in massage therapy, that they took their passion of having this wanting to help people, wanting to make people feel better, wanting to do massages or touch or transform people's outer um, um, layers and taking the step on doing so. And um, so it always amazed me when I would, you know, interview people and say, I'm in the middle of a career change and I've decided to go from being, you know, a marketing executive to an esthetician because it is my passion and I'm going to be so much happier doing that. So I think it is always possible, but it takes a lot of patience. It takes some reflection, of course, um, inner reflection. And then it also takes support with your family members, with your friends and the company. If you want to stay with a specific company, it takes that support too. So nothing is easy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh. but no, but this is very interesting because you know life is so precious, and uh, I think again going back to the the sort of the watershed of the COVID two or three years or whatever that that caused people because they couldn't do anything else but to reflect um, on on their on their career paths and and, and ask themselves, am I really doing something I enjoy doing and want to do? Is it really is it going to fulfil me? rather than accepting and just carrying on as is. And I've got so many examples that, uh, I mean, one that comes to mind is my friend Vijay. And my friend Vijay was uh, an Indian guy who I uh, played cricket with in California. And um, for 30 years, he had a very successful architectural company. And uh, so 30 years, long time. And I, then I started seeing photographs of him in um, Lisbon, in Portugal. And I asked him one day, I said, well, what do you, what's all this thing about Portugal? Why, why are you there so often? He said, I'm, I'm moving. I said, what, what are you going to do? And he said, oh, I can't stand architecture. <laughs> I hate my company uh, and I've, I'm, gonna, I'm selling it. And I'm and, and I'm gonna move to Lisbon, Portugal. Yes, I am. And I'm gonna set up a little tiny place that sells gourmet chicken sandwiches and martinis. Well, that couldn't be that's a long way from architecture. Yeah. The, the beauty of the story is that it took him that time to mm -hmm. illustrate the point to finally to himself admit that he wasn't fulfilled, even though he's successful, you know, it, it's so what? 
uh, it wasn't fulfilling. Now he's really happy. Yeah. I know he is because I went there <laughs> to Lisbon. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just an ex one example of gazillions. Um, but you're right. It's it's um, You're being realistic when you describe the, the need for patience. Mm -hmm. And I think also the need, I'll go back to the need for courage because... Yeah which is where it's up to the individual to have the courage to decide to take a few risks because, mm -hmm. um, you know, you're always looking, most people tend to look at, oh, what what will they think of me? What will my boss think of me if I yeah. suggest something? Oh, my God, he's going to, my boss, she's going to say, uh, well, you may as well just leave the company. Or um, they won't be very understanding or empathetic. But there's so many people out there, as you know, who are really um, unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I really believe, as you said, courage is a big one. And I think a lot of people have preconceptions in their mind in terms of who they should speak to. And I think I really believe that most organizations will be open to listen. You know, they might not have what, you know, is available for this person. It's very possible, but they may. And if you don't even speak up, then how would you know, you know, and how would they know? I always say, you know, no one's got a crystal ball here. All right. So if you really want something, you need to speak up. If you want to switch from one place to the other, you need to speak up um, and it's, you know, I, I believe that most organizations will listen. You know, mm -hmm. they might not be able to make it happen, which is normal, but they will listen. Yeah, I think you're right. It's easy to think that they won't, um, although some don't. Um, but I think you're right. And I think um, it, it's interesting because if you're a leader and you want to create um, a real trust in the organization, well, first of all, being honest and transparent, and if it's a question of look, we can't accommodate what your dream is here because it's 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 just it's not available. Yeah, uh, um, that's that's fine. Um, at least you've told the truth about it. But exactly. it's but but it's 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 more than that. It's up to the leader, the manager, to essentially coach and pay attention to the individual mm -hmm. who to to find out to mentor them to find out. Well, what what are you what are you not satisfied? What would you like to do ideally? Yeah. Let's 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 explore that. Um, and you know, I've I can think of an example just in the last year, Fabian, that um, I I kind of finally had to admit that one of the roles that I play in my company that I work with um, is. I can't stand it. <laughs> I really cannot stand it. And and I was being the good soldier and just doing my duty. But it, it's something that I was doing years, decades ago. And I don't know. And so therefore, I couldn't put heart and soul into it. Yeah. And finally, the, 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 I fortunately had a CEO. I have a CEO who is very understanding and understands it's important for people to do what they they love doing and are best at doing, which mm -hmm, is. Mm -hmm. And so once I'd got rid of that particular role, um, 
just the relief was incredible. You know, I could finally do what I really wanted to do, yeah. 100% versus, oh, God, I've got to do that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, that's just a little anecdote. Um, but yeah, but I think what you said, Michael, about, you know, what it takes, okay, yes, you know, uh, authenticity and, and all of this is important to listen but I think as a leader, it's, um, I think, one of the major component. And I think to to build that trust and to open up, because, again, you know, people are scared to say yes. what they want to say. And I think um, it's uh, curiosity. Curiosity is one of the most important aspect, um, I believe, to open up and ask questions and listen to the questions. You know, I, I found sometimes myself, I tend to, there's some days I'm a really good listener, but some days I'm not. <laughs> some days I want to give solution right away. And I'm like, no, 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 you got to keep listening because opening curiosity and curiosity is one of the elements that we're starting to see surface in the working environment um, even more because it creates so much um, bonding with people. It, you know, it brings that authenticity. It brings um, an understanding with each other. It um, also helps people to connect with each other in many different ways. It, and then it's actually proven to help, you know, retention of employee um, in the workforce. So curiosity without being nosy, and there's a big difference between curiosity and being nosy, <laughs> but curiosity of understanding, of truly wanting to understand the person that's in front of you or, or that is in your team is um, one of the best way to build trust and to help people to be more open to what they want to say. Well, that's so interesting. I mean, I don't think people talk much about curiosity. There is mm -hmm. um, one book out, came out about a year ago, I think. It was, uh, I'm trying to remember who it is. It's one of the senior execs at Novartis. Um, and he sort of made a the whole book about curiosity. But I was going to ask you ahead of this interview um, about um, curiosity and the role it plays. But you've just really sort of opened my eyes to a bigger meaning of or, or the bigger significance of being curious. And you were talking about, and, and I, I'll relate that to what I said a minute ago about leaders and managers really effectively taking an interest. Mm -hmm. People love to for others to take an interest in them. Of course. You know, because it does bond people together. It creates mm -hmm. a community. It makes them feel like they belong in it. They're included. And so, yes, I, I, it's a very very powerful thing, this curiosity, as you said, without being nosy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that's a really important one. There's, um, uh, I, I've been reading a lot of things on curiosity. There's um, uh, Dr. Diane Hamilton in, um, in the U.S. actually just came up with a curiosity index. And so that um, these workshop that she does also with companies to find out what the curiosity index of the company is mm. and, and how it can be improved. And, and so I've read a lot of things of what she's done. And I think it's really interesting and it really is becoming 
um, a, a big component. I think in the next couple of years, we're going to start seeing this even more in learning and development. I think this is a, a point that needs to be brought up, that needs to be defined and done in a very compassionate way, you know, because it's not curiosity could be come something where, oh my God, you know, the company's asking all these questions. I don't want to say what do they want really about me, but it can be done in a very compassionate way to really discover how we develop, you know, the organization, but also how do we develop the people? So I do believe that this is going to be a big point in the future. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. And uh, it's good to, to recognize the value of being curious. Um, I only just recently realized myself that I'm actually one of my uh, uh, strengths is that I am curious mm-hmm. and actually, th- and then I see the benefits of that, but it's only recently that I saw that, you know? Um, so I'm just going to interrupt so, so that I can tell uh, the audience who I'm speaking to. I'm Michael Banks. This is a leadership luminaries podcast series. Um, uh, under the aegis of uh, People Smart, um, and the my guest today is Fabienne Lindon. I think I said that even better that time. Yeah, you did. You did. <laughs> uh, and Fabienne is the. Um, she has two positions. One is the global education director for Babor Beauty Group. And also one as a woman's self-confidence advocate uh, with her company, Fabienne Lindum, Lindum, revs up your life. It is a tough name to say. I know that. <laughs> Everyone always have a problem. I always pride myself on being able to, 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 to speak with a very good foreign accent, whatever the language is. Yeah. We were just uh, saying before the interview started how uh, we must get uh, Jerry Harrison of the Talking Heads. He's released a track uh, years ago, but called Rev It Up. We need to have that as uh, as Fabian's signature tune. My signature, is. yes. Yeah. Rev It Up. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, okay. Um, now, something else you mentioned, uh, you you know, we, we had a discussion a week or so ago. Um, and one of the ideas you came up with was the... F- you know, um, what about experiential learning, uh, the university of life? Where does that fit in? Well, I always feel like I was at the university of life. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and the reason is, is because, you know, I started my career as being a service provider. So I was an esthetician and I'm still an esthetician at heart. And I'm a massage therapist. And all my life, from the time I graduated from beauty school to now, I increased my knowledge, whether it was with cultural experience, traveling, meeting people, taking classes, looking at what I wanted to be when I grew up, and uh, kind of what I wanted to graduate from. And I really ultimately never went to uh, university. I did attend Purdue University in Chicago for an an entrepreneurship program, but the traditional bachelor degree and master's and so on and so forth is not something I have in my portfolio. And for a long time, I felt kind of 
bad about it. But then I realized that actually my university of life experience was as rich as what I could get, you know, at a university for a bachelor's degree and a master. And I think if we constantly look at ourselves as being learners, and that again, you know, organization that we work with or that um, we are associated with provide um, learning all the time, it allows everyone to keep moving the needle forward and, you know, kind of creating this new path. Because as you were mentioning, that architect that all of a sudden decided to do something else, at the end, I think it is the path of life. And, you know, even though I have been in the beauty industry for over 30 years, and it was my passion, and it's still my passion to this day, but if I had not evaluated to what I'm doing now, which is more learning and development and teaching and developing people and, 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 and growing with them, I don't even know if I still would be in the beauty industry. So I think it's, it's really using and learning constantly and looking at what are the learning possibility around us and how we can apply them so we can become more than what we want to be. Absolutely. Um, I'm, as you were talking, I was thinking about the some mega successful people in, that we all know about who uh, never went to university. I mm -hmm. mean, uh, in the UK, there's Richard Branson, of course, who yeah. started working when he was 15, 15 years old, I think it was, when he was selling selling uh, vinyl records at a discount price. He was the first person to do it. Well, sooner or later, he was he, uh, created an airline. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. crazy. From music to an airline. Um, but there's lots of examples of, of that. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that, uh, I, I think, again, it's, it's, there's, I'm a big believer in, learning that's based on real experiences versus theory. Um, there are yeah. a lot of people who are book read. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember we used to interview, I was in a company, I was a partner in, in the US, and we used to interview PhD um, uh, experts in psychology as potential consultants. And uh, they were highly credentialed and very yeah. intellectually bright and absolutely hadn't got a clue about human beings. <laughs> they hadn't got a clue because they had the they didn't have the, the they haven't hadn't realized or or allow themselves to experience um, real human experience to the degree which they could learn from that and 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 move out of just purely theoretical. Uh, and so they, they just weren't very good with people, uh, you know. And I, yeah, I, I, I um, I've got lots of stories I can think of. Um, in my case, it was it was working with Jamaican youth in London after university, mm -hmm. and uh, that was an incredible learning period for me of three years of making sure I didn't get uh, a knife in my body. And um, yeah. Um, you know, and actually was able to build rapport with these kids, many of whom were involved in crime. Um, and of course, there was I was a white guy, and I mean, 
I, I learned so much about how the skill of building relationships. Um, and I think that, you know, I've always said that skill of building relationships is, if not the most important skill of yeah. can learn, because um, it opens up the doors to everything pretty much. Um, so, uh, yeah, okay. So that, thank you for that. I understand. Um, yeah, I think experiential learning is also, I mean, we hear a lot of that right now also in terms of digital. Uh, people talk about experiential learning all the time. And I think it's meant to be able to do things. And again, coming in the industry where I am, you know, and 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 being a doer, because that's what I did. I did things with my hands and all the women that I've worked with, most of them, it's all, they are doers and they learn by doing. They don't necessarily learn any other way. And that's why I think experiential um, learning is becoming really big because it's also with understanding that human being cannot get all this affirmation in the theory in their head and try to, to, to put it in practice. So we can only learn so much in such a short time. The rest, we have to do it. If we don't do it, we don't know it. So it's it, I think it's also why it's changing in schools also. We're starting to see more and more of that experiential learning. Uh, and I think we will, again, it's gonna, you know, do, um, um, go much, much bigger in the future. Absolutely. I agree with you. Um, I do want to ask you now a question about your work with women, because I, I know that uh, you you describe yourself as someone who motivates and gives confidence to or facilitates women becoming more confident. Mm -hmm. um, well, you're in an industry where I would imagine there's predominantly females yes. uh, in the beauty and well-being industry. Yeah. That's for starters. Um, what What is it that you think that... Um, are the key um, lessons that you can impart to women who are not so confident or assertive? Well, I think confidence, first of all, um, comes from within. And it's, we all have it. Okay, we were all born with it. And now you can take, I mean, it's really easy, even when you look at little girls and little boy, but even the little girl at five years old, they are super confident. They're, you know, a little sassy, they talk, they have no problem. And I think that it's there. We all have confidence. It's just that, you know, experience of life sometimes just uh, makes little, you know, blemishes throughout and kind of break down confidence. So confidence is not something you acquire and you keep forever. It's something that you have to work on all the time. And it's extremely fragile and it, it can be shattered in a second. You can be super confident, whether it's a man or woman, you can be super confident in one minute and all of a sudden someone says something and it shatters it and you have to rebuild it. Mm -hmm. So it can be anything in terms of uh, the building it. And I think the most important aspects is discovering what makes the person feel little. And once we find out what that is, then we rebuild it. And that's how we can rebuild it. So in, in again, in the beauty and wellness industry, working with a lot of service providers that are absolutely wonderful because they're so knowledgeable in people's skills and how to work with people and how to connect with people. 
but sometimes their confidence is low because they may not have that education or theory education or book smart education that yeah. we always look at. So sometimes it's bringing that in. It's showing them that it's easy actually to fulfill because all it is is to study this and that they have the capability to do that and that they do have the brain for it, you know, <laughs> because there's often this concept like, oh, I may not have the brain for it. Yes, of course you have the brain for it. It's a muscle. You can't you can train it. You know, that's not an issue. So I think it is finding the particular elements. And I think in, in all over the world, in different industry, we found a common dominator uh, the, of the self-confidence that's missing. It's usually knowledge. And so building on that knowledge and um, that confidence of knowing that you know, that you know your stuff and, and that you can speak about it and you can transfer it then automatically the confidence level changes and become bigger. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Yeah, I was, uh, while you were talking, I was also thinking about how purpose um, doesn't have to be a certain way. I mean, when, when people say, you know, what's your purpose? I think a lot of people expect the answer to be, well, my purpose is to, save uh save humanity <laughs> uh, or my purpose is to become prime minister so i can do something about the state of the world um but purpose is interesting um i mean the, the the definition of purpose is being true to yourself in my book and if you're true to yourself uh you're comfortable with yourself and you're fulfilled because you're doing exactly what you want you're being authentic with yourself and you're doing what you want so where i'm going with this is that if you think about purpose as something as a as a state almost like you can have a purpose which is simply to serve people mm -hmm, exactly um and I'm, I'm thinking of you know some people have very mundane jobs you know they they have you know, if you work in a in a post office or something, you're doing the same thing over and over in, in a way, not necessarily completely that way. But uh, so, you know, where do you get your fulfillment? What Where's your purpose fulfilled? Mm -hmm. well, it could be in providing wonderful, cheerful uh, service to people when they come, Absolutely. you know, when they come to the desk. Mm -hmm. How can I help you? And you, you make them feel good. Yeah, and exactly. Take care of them. That could be the purpose that you have. Absolutely. I think purpose doesn't have to be this big old thing. I'm going to see the oceans, you know. It can be, as you just said, you know, I think that putting in mind that my purpose is going to be to um, help people to feel good at that moment by just smiling at them. Yeah. It, it it it's it's enough or to as you said you know be really cheerful or help very helpful putting stuff in their bag um there's so many way to make a difference in the world and it doesn't have to be by saving the oceans it mm -hmm. can be of course we love the people that save the ocean don't yeah. get me wrong and we love these people that have the capability to do that but i think that every single human being even in this 
in the mundane um, job or whatever can make a difference. And if they don't make a difference on what they're doing, okay, I'm making this pencil. Okay, so uh, I'm pushing a machine for make that pencil at the end, okay, what is my purpose? Maybe my purpose is just to be really helpful to my coworker, you know, or to be really helpful with um, a stagiaire who just started or to, um, uh, you know, to help someone out in that is doing something in the organization. So this could be the purpose at work. You know, maybe they have another purpose outside, but at work could be just that simple. And it makes a huge difference. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's a mistake I used to make when I was a younger man, uh, in particular, for example, my sister. Um, I always used to get really frustrated with her. I used to get actually quite angry, which is silly when I think back on it. And the reason I got angry with her is that she didn't seem to have any purpose in her life. And it took me a, quite a while, a few years, to realize her purpose was to raise an amazing family. Yeah. And that didn't fit up until then. I said, the light bulb went off. Well, of course, that's a great purpose to have. Exactly. Um, but it didn't, didn't fit my... I was in the camp of, we got to change society. And if you're not doing that, you're not doing anything. <laughs> yeah. But she probably made a great difference in those children, and the they are the one who are going to probably pass it on and do some great stuff for the world. Well, it's it's you're dead right there. I mean, I think of her, her three kids, and she's got two twin daughters, and um, there's no doubt that she's done an amazing job. Mm. Yeah, it's not a job, but she and and she's she's in the process transformed herself. Yeah. You know, I am completely uh, in awe of my sister. She's amazing. But I would not have said that a few decades ago. I thought she was completely useless. Uh, what's wrong with you? Go ahead, get a life. Oh, my goodness. You know, terrible, terrible, terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Well, so we're, we're coming to the end here, Fabienne. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you would like to uh, leave the audience with, this key idea or ideas that uh, you'd like to share? Yeah, the, the only thing I'd like to add to this conversation um, is really, I think, being passionate in what you do and being vocal and letting people know and adding all of these elements within your work environment or what you do. I think it's also really important to find the right balance um, and that because, you know, people say some people say that if you're doing your job of passion, you'll never work a day in your life, but it's not always true. It is still working and it's still being part of, you know, producing something and it's much easier to do it with passion, but it's also really important not to burn out at that passion. And so it's really uh, finding a good balance um, of not all of a sudden burning out the passion that we've used to fuel our, you know, purpose and our job and our, you know, career. And um, I think that a lot of people after a while may become tired of what they do from their passion. And I think is that that is the time when they start feeling that tiredness to step back, to regroup, to reestablish, reflect and see, okay, I really still have this as a, a passion but I don't want to overburn it. So what are the things that I can that can deviate from that? 
for me in my work environment. So that's the only thing that can be um, a, a kind of a challenge, I'd say. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I agree with you. In fact, as you were explaining that, I thought, you know, some of the most passionate people doing the most amazing things uh, reach a point where they get ill, mm -hmm. you know, because they've just sort of burned, as you said, burned out. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, I like the, the the whole issue of balance is such a big topic. Um, yeah. I, I always think of the Buddhist philosophy of sort of, you know, get too excited when something amazing happens, but you don't get too upset if something terrible happens. You, so they call it the, isn't it the middle path or something. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot to be said for that. Um, and if you can experience that as well, you, you, you kind of don't experience so much stress in your life. Yeah. <laughs> not so volatile um and i certainly appreciate that my god yeah uh, in my case it was getting ill <laughs> yeah I was exactly. forced, forced to do it but I, i've become uh, i have made a subtle change in my experience of life you know which is a good thing yeah so, um, absolutely so how can people get hold of you fabian so, I mean, I think the best way to get hold of me is through LinkedIn. So it's uh, Fabienne Lindholm. So Lindholm is L-I-N-D-H-O-L-M. Uh, so that's the best way. It's LinkedIn. I do also have um, other couples social media handle like Instagram. If you need some uh, pick me up and affirmation, um, I do a lot of that on my Instagram. And it's Fabienne.g.l uh, on Instagram. Um, but it really, in terms of talking with me and sending me a message, LinkedIn's probably best um, to to get in touch with me. Okay, fantastic. And Fabienne is F A B I E double N E. That's correct. Very good. Yeah, yeah moi je parle français très bien, moi. Ah, mais je ne savais pas que tu parlais français. <laughs> La prochaine fois, on fait le pot de passe en français. <laughs> <laughs> uh, about about 45 years ago i was almost fluent but unfortunately um you know all it would have taken to to be totally fluent would have been living in france for a for a few months that's all but uh, i never did so uh, it was i stopped it at university and oh that's too bad my young my young weekend jaunts on my own to paris um stopped as well <laughs> I, I actually calmed down a bit i went to university um anyway fabian it's look it's great uh conversation we've had and i really appreciate it very refreshing and uh yeah um, i wish you all the best with the book coming up sometime and soon yeah. and then also of course with with revving it up um and uh your continuous uh continued uh, role at uh, Babor. Yeah, Babor Beauty Group. Absolutely. And using both components there, um, really a lot of fun. But thank you, Michael, for your time. I really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. It's always easy to speak with you. <laughs> oh, you. Well, I, I, it's really my vocation. I just ended up doing, I don't know, organizational development stuff. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I think I enjoy most the... Uh, uh, because I'm curious. Exactly. That's yeah. why you're curious. That's why you have a podcast. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, right. Wonderful.
Take care. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. All right.